This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is a show that's watching a movie this week that really slaps. <laughs> I see you did there because of because of the Oscars. Because the, the slap, the slap heard around the world. Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. How great of a line is that though? Like so good. You don't get to say that ever. And he got to say that on world television. Like, come on. That's great. I didn't, just the, the comedic timing with it. Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. And Perfect he took delivery. the slap too, man. He leaned into it. Like, you ever get stuck on like a YouTube hole of just watching like weird stuff? Like, you ever see those slap fights? Oh, oh yeah. How they're, like, they're at the table, they have to put their hands on the table, and then just the big man comes and slaps the shit, and you can't move. Yeah. And they just go back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, that was the type of slap, but if it would be like if a bitch joined the competition and did the slap. <laughs> Somebody with no upper body strength was like, I could compete. None at all. Will Smith slaps a shitload in this movie that we're talking about this week, which is my birthday pick of Wild <laughs> Wild West from 1999. Will Smith slaps so much in this movie, and it looks exactly the same as he did in the Oscars, where you're like, leans with his front foot almost like you shouldn't do it all like he it just feels wrong you're connecting but you're you're pulling too hard at the same time i don't understand any of it yeah the technique is is wonky for sure it is and it makes me feel like chris rock i feel like did take a hell of a slap on that sweet cheek of his but also now i've seen will smith slap a lot just saying i don't think it really hurt all that much i feel like maybe i could take a will smith slap I have to ask, Dave. Yeah. Why this movie? I have to counter with a question of my own of why not this movie? All right. That's, that's fair enough for me. No, because we've talked about this movie a weird amount. Almost too much. We've talked about the giant spider when we talked about the death of Superman lives. What right. happened? <laughs> and we've joked about stupid little things from this movie a lot. Yeah. So it just felt right for my birthday pick this year. To talk about something that is just so awesomely bad and weirdly nostalgic. Very nostalgic. I had no idea that I was going to have this little trip down memory lane when I played this movie. I think the only problem with this movie, besides most of it, <laughs> is that this movie is an hour 46 minutes long. And damn it, does it feel like it's an hour 46 minutes long. Yeah, it does. I watched it twice, so... I watched it once, and they say that in comedy movies, faster, funnier, faster, funnier, faster, funnier. <laughs> and I feel really, really bad for Barry fucking Sonnenfeld, the director of this movie, because I feel like he probably said that on set a lot, and just no one listened. Which is crazy, because the cast of this movie is insane. It is a really great cast, but it's one of those things of too many good things may not equal a great thing. Everybody's jockeying for their moment. Maybe. I don't know. It also could be the four writers and the 
the secret other writer <laughs> that didn't get credited and it's just it's a mess. We will get there. Let's just dive right into this thing, man. Let's I'm do so it. excited. Louisiana 1869. What a year. Some dude is running through the woods at night with a giant metal collar on, like he was scratching at his stitches. <laughs> How weird would it be if it's like this movie opened up with a man neuter? He's ranting and raving about a giant spider already. Already they're starting their bullshit. <laughs> He's being chased by a giant saw blade, which eventually catches up to him, as you'd expect, and emancipates its head from the rest of his body. That's a very good historical joke. Thank you. <laughs> Ted Levine comes up to the body saying, and they say you scientists are supposed to be smart, and he scoffs. And then we get about four hours of opening credits in the style of a 60s post-Civil War steampunk Western serial. I was going to say, scoffs is the perfect word for that, because he says it like it's supposed to be the most clever thing that's ever been said. <laughs> and the movie's just like, yeah, dump those hard credits. We Boom. nailed it. Mic drop on scientists are supposed to be smart. <laughs> that theater is erupting with laughter right now. Hit him with the Elmer Bernstein. Bam. Look at that. Look at that one-liner we just dropped about scientists being smart. <laughs> oh, the one-liners. I cannot wait to get there later. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to U.S. Army Captain James T. West, played, of course, by Will in any other movie fucking Smith. I think that's the right way to look at it. You know, it's not an unenjoyable movie. No, and it's one of those movies where I like it. And I don't know why. Same. It might have a, a heavy hand in the nostalgia cookie jar. It might. And it's one of those things where I kept watching it. So I'm like, I wonder if this is going to hold up. I wonder if this is going to hold up. I wonder if this is going to Then I just didn't care. Right. It's like, it did, you know what? I'm just excited it's going to happen. I don't care if it holds up. Jim West is polluting the water supply of Morgan, West Virginia by doing the nasty with a woman we'll never see again for the rest of the movie. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Do you remember that lady who like disappeared in California at the hotel? Like she's yeah. going in and out of the elevator, and then they the found her tower. in the water tower up there. Yeah, and like people notice because they're like, "Oh, the drinking water tastes like a dead body's in it." Let's go check up there. What does this water taste like? Marcy's playground. <laughs> Poland Springs. What it means when Will Smith came. Can we talk about this water tower for a second, please? Because he is doing the dirty in there. Yeah, in the water. Tower. In the water. The public supply of drinking water. But weirdly, that's not the part that bothered me as much as the bed that was in there. It has like a Murphy bed <laughs> on the side of it, like a bookshelf and candles. Like, is somebody living in this water tower? Sure are we in a like weird, it. sexy Animaniacs type scenario here? And why are there holes in the water tower for peeking out? It makes no sense because you figure if the water gets up to that level and you're in the it's desert, it's gonna leak. It's gonna just leak out. It's like you're making a peephole that is a danger to everybody here in case there's a drought. But you're like, no, exactly. but I can still peep real good. Yeah, but if that, if that peephole isn't there, they're going to get the Murphy bed all wet. That's very true also. For a movie that has really good production design, what the fuck were you thinking? I wish I knew, because this whole scene is absolutely insane. Because about that time, General Bloodbath McGrath, played, of course, by Ted Levine, who we already saw in the first scene, they do a lot of, like, here's a person. You're going to find out who they are later. He shows up in Morgan, West Virginia. And his band of robbers, or whatever these people are supposed to be, accidentally knock over the water tower. 
they do knock over the water tower, but I'm really, really happy they did because Will Smith was about to chew all of this scenery. Yeah. Oh, he sure was. So might as well just get a wrap on this scenery. He was actually in the process of chewing. I really, <laughs> I really hope that's not how he actually kisses for the sake of, of Jada. Maybe that's why I got so angry at Chris Rock, because Jada's just like, I'm going to tell him that's how you really kiss if you don't defend me and my honor right now. You better get up there and slap his face. I don't know what else I was going to say there. <laughs> I stumbled on the word face. like, Or else I'm going to tell everybody the way that you were kissing in Wild Wild West, where you were just, you know. Attempting to chew on a water tower. You kiss like a fucking moron, Will, and this is how you end up with a Willow and a Jaden. When you kiss like this. Uh, That's right, kids. Babies come from kissing. That's right. I have three of them because I kiss so much. To be determined how well you kiss. We're going to find out if they release garbage rap albums in their teens. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's going to know how well I kiss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> willow smith actually has a pretty successful uh alt rock career going on right now so well, i'm okay with that she seems normal Jaden, though uh, Jaden's a weirdo oh boy <laughs> <laughs> so general mcgrath's guys knock over the water tower and now jim west has to go to work he does have to go to work and he starts yelling up at the downed water tower of hey i need my clothes and she just starts throwing clothes and then just, somewhere in the middle of this fight scene, he puts on said clothes, and these are form-fitting clothes. There's no way. There's, there's no way. Especially because he's still wet from the water tower. He's very wet. I wear very comfortable boxers. <laughs> okay. And if I don't towel off enough- They're hard to put on. They're not getting up. Yeah, I understand that. And you're just expecting me to believe that Will Smith can put on <laughs> these Hollywood form-fitting cowboy pants here. With holster. Leather? Not happening. We've all seen friends with Ross in the leather pants. Exactly. Not happening. You have to figure that the water tower water and the desert dust is forming a paste that he is not going to (laughs) be able to pull these pants up over. That sounds very uncomfortable. I don't know what is in Jim West's job description, but when he goes to work, it inexplicably includes a gratuitous sack shot from behind. So as I was watching this this afternoon, I messaged Brian and said, did we just get some Will Smith dong? And he said, I don't think we did. And I told him I wasn't going to pause it and find out. He said, I think we <laughs> definitely got sack, though. And we are in agreement that there was full-blown Smith sack. Full-blown Smith sack. And the man did not groom prior. He did not groom prior. You know, this movie made choices. It sure did. <laughs> That would be good product placement, though. It's just like really quickly cut out of there and do like a Gillette ad or something. Oh, yeah. The, the best a man can get when he goes to work. <laughs> Speaking of Will Smith's hair, I have what is probably a caped IMDb trivia fact. Yeah, I have no doubt it is. Will Smith's facial hair was an issue in this film. They were not sure if they should go period, where it would be longer, or they should go 90s, where it would be more stylish. Will Smith famously said, I don't care what you do. Just as long as you don't do a G.I. Jane haircut. The first part's completely true, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, the second part is bullshit, obviously. But the first part's completely true. So I hope somebody gets through that and just like, wow, I learned, oh, this asshole. Okay, uh, okay. yep, G.I. Jane. Very funny. To pair with that caped trivia fact, I also have an actual IMD trivia fact. When Will Smith asked his mother what she thought of the movie, she replied, you've done better, baby. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. And I bet... 
that when Will asked that question to Jada about Jaden, she said, you've done better, baby. You've done better, baby. And then Willow, just in the other room, just is smiling. She knew. She knew. And then she sent him to live with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air. That's right. That's her progression of things. Meanwhile, at the local whorehouse, a rather robust redhead that looks a lot like Kevin Klein woos General McGrath while Jim West approaches. And let me get this out of the way, this burning question, Brian. Yeah. Kevin Klein and drag, hot or not? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> no matter how much Will Smith tries to act like the ugliest thing on the planet. Not fooling anybody. Nope. We all see it, Will. You're in denial. See it just as clear as I saw your balls, Will. <laughs> Kevin Klein pulling off that red wig. He is? And then later, he'll actually pull off the red wig. Yes, yes, he will. <laughs> But right now, he's being undressed by General McGrath and revealing a hypnotism device in the girdle area or a belt. I don't know. Some sort of sash, perhaps. It's like not so much the boobs, but it's definitely in the cleftal region of the boobs. It's like just below the booble region. Yeah. And he makes him bark like a dog because he calls him like, be my good dog. And then this fucking weirdo is barking like a dog. And if you hadn't checked out already, this is the time to check out. (laughs) oh okay this is what this movie's gonna be got it so the hypnotism device fails and it looks like general mcgrath is gonna shank up this lady of the night so jim west intervenes because he's watching through the window like a creeper and this leads to one of those classic whorehouse brawls and i do have to say for as stupid as the water tower looked inside production design here big winner for me i like it it's pretty excellent i'm also impressed that they have an entire whorehouse scene with less nudity than Will Smith's ball sack. That's right. (laughs) Choices. They were made. In the mayhem, the working girl reveals herself to be U.S. Marshal Artemis Gordon. Again, Kevin fucking Klein. He's my favorite part of this movie. Absolutely. He's amazing. Outside of this house of ill repute, Miss Lippenreader is, well, reading the lips of West and Gordon and relaying the information to a mysterious, fancy, beardy Sir Kenneth Brenna. I'm going to need a few fuckings in there. I was a so happy sir, to say, sir. Fucking Kenneth fucking Brenna. There we go. Oscar winner. I mean, most of the people most in, of the this, people movie in this movie are. are. Yeah. That's insane to think about. Almost the entire cast of this movie has Oscars. Does Selma Hayek have one? I don't think she does. I think she was nominated, though. She was nominated for Frida. But your other leads have all won, and that's kind of fucked. Salma Hayek is the one dragging down this show, I guess. I mean, I did see this movie. I get why. We'll get there. If she just got that Oscar, this movie could have been really good. Yep. Let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) So this mysterious, fancy, beardy Kenneth Branagh sends a wagon of explosives rolling into the whorehouse and makes off with the kidnapped scientist. Because there was a kidnapped scientist throughout all of that. No one gives a damn. Probably they should have mentioned. Doesn't matter. Kidnapped really. scientists a MacGuffin in this somehow. This is the second scientist to be like on screen and you're like, oh, I don't care about him. Don't care at all. Jim West goes to the White House to talk to President Ulysses S. Grant, but he immediately recognizes that it's not Grant at all. It's Artemis Gordon in disguise. This man wears lots of disguises. And let's quickly talk about historical fiction, because I got annoyed watching this. Oh. Because this movie does start in Louisiana, 1869. Right. While they're walking down the street of Washington, D.C., you see the Capitol Dome under construction. And me being the 
<laughs> historical nerd that I am, I went, nah. No, nope. That bitch is done already. <laughs> Historically. <laughs> because construction of that thing started in 1861 when they recognized that the old dome was way too small and was completed on December 2nd, 1863. Long done. But yet, here in the White House, they got the partial construction of the Washington Monument in the background absolutely correct. So it's like, you went halfway. Basically, all of Washington, D.C. is under construction in this multiverse, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. It bugged me. It's a stupid thing, but it bugged me. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's more to come, I'm sure. Yes, there is. <laughs> we'll get there. So the real President Grant, also played, of course, by Kevin fucking Klein. Right, they use the same actor to fake out us. It's like, what are we doing, movie? <laughs> oh, wow, that really is a good disguise. He looks just like the other guy that's also played by him. Dear audience, you're all stupid. Love, John <laughs> Peters. Because, yeah, he's the producer on this thing. We'll talk all about oh, him in a bit. yeah, we sure will. The real President Grant arrives in the Oval Office and tells the two that he wants them to work together to find out who's threatening to force Grant to surrender the entire country and recover the missing scientist before he goes and inaugurates the Transcontinental Railroad in Utah. I love how this is such a big deal. How he like pulls a telegram, they're like, is this real? It's like, now you could just walk in, like a, you see like a tweet, and they're just like, yeah, this is bullshit. <laughs> but in 1869, they're like, oh my God, they're going to surrender the whole country because of one telegram? <laughs> we need to put a stop to this. After some shenanigans and disagreements between West and Gordon aboard their train, The Wanderer, Gordon examines the severed head of murdered scientist, you know, from the first scene. I'm sure he has a name. I omitted it. And Will Smith really shows off his acting chops here <laughs> by repeating, that's a man's head in at least 10 different ways over and over again. He, he delivers that line so many times. It's almost like he's like, I think I want to slap it. <laughs> I want to slap that head. I don't know why I just feel slappy around that thing. That is a man's head, and my, my hand wants to connect with that man's head. It's just like shaking off to the side. You see it just going wild. <laughs> what you don't know is that Jada was on set that day. <laughs> just watching. <laughs> just giving him that look like, you better slap that head. I want to talk about this head for a second. We for what it's about to do. absolutely need to. Because Artemis Gordon says, yeah, there's a theory that the last thing a person saw is burned to their retinas. So naturally, they put a projector, <laughs> like a candle, <laughs> into the, behind this man's head and shine it through his skull that and onto a, a man's wall. head. I know, Will, I know. But then you see the image upside down. They've turned the head over, turn the, whatever I like it that is. they already had the, the unit so that it was capable of flipping the head upside down. It. But he was still confused when it showed up right side up. Yeah, it was just. But then Will Smith, of course, like, oh, it's blurry. He needs glasses. They put glasses on this upside down severed head. How convenient is it that Will Smith's prescription of the glasses he wears in three scenes in this movie are exactly what they needed to make out the details on the conveniently positioned invitation in the pocket of General McGrath? <laughs> it's just poking out. He's able to fully read it. It's absolutely insane. I don't know when optometry became a thing, and maybe they're just like, oh, you have good eyes, or you have shitty eyes. Like, you just put this glass in front of it, and it is what it is. I mean, I don't know what to tell you at this point. But we have a buddy who claims to love television. His name's Micah. You've heard about this show. <laughs> Captain Spoiler. And he told me 
hey, you should watch Fringe. It's a great show. And in the first episode, the way they solve the crime is by using this bullshit method from Wild Wild West. And I've never been like, I'm out faster on anything in my life. Did anybody in the episode say, that is a man's head? (laughs) Should have. It would have been a really weird callback that some people would get. It would have been just an even deeper callback to what they were already calling back. You should never use the most bullshit thing from a movie's plot (laughs) as your plot. Hey, what's the least believable thing from Wild Wild West? Let's use that in our pilot episode. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) They came out swinging or slapping. I don't know. They came out slapping. So this invite that's in General McGrath's pocket, because it was the last thing that Obviously, even though his head was already severed when General McGrath came upon him. It wasn't even severed. It got like stuck in the magnet neutered collar. It just stuck there. I don't know. He was apparently still alive when General McGrath approached him. And said the scoffing line? And said the scoffing line. But luckily he had his invitation. sick burn. The last thing you want to hear is that sick, sick burn. Oh, you're such a smart scientist. (laughs) Got him! Hit him with the credits. (laughs) Freeze the invitation. The invitation tells them there's a gala in New New Orleans. The place where they're going already. Already, right. The whole time, Will Smith's like, we've got to go to New Orleans. That's where Jenna McGrath's going. We've got to go to New Orleans. They look through this guy's head. They see the invite. They're like, oh, we got to go to New Orleans. Cool. <laughs> it really, really is. They treat train travel in this like it's a car. <laughs> like, you can just go anywhere you want. No problem. Like, you don't have to clear it with anybody. I don't know how the train <laughs> systems work. But you got to figure, like, tracks go certain ways and switch tracks or whatever. I don't know how any of this stuff works, clearly. I've played Ticket to Ride, and that has nothing to do with the U.S. railway (laughs) system and its logistics. It has colored pieces that go in certain places. I feel like if you have clearance from the president, you could probably just go wherever you want on the trains, at least in the 1800s. I feel like Doc Brown's flying train at the end of Back to the Future 3 had more movement limitations than this train that is on these tracks has <laughs> in this movie. You're not wrong. Oh, man, this movie. <laughs> on the way to New Orleans, they argue about which tactics to use to infiltrate the party. Gordon favors costumes, obviously, and West wants to run up in there, slap the shit out of everyone, and ask questions later. If you played a drinking game to every time Jim West pulls a gun... On anybody oh, or just in general, die. you are the most dead. So dead. You are more dead than the guy who they just shined a projector through his eyeballs. The coroner would come to collect your body like days later while your television screen is in that weird black screen where everything's off. <laughs> and what they would do is they would just cut off your head in the autopsy and shine a projector light through your skull and they go, you got wild, wild wested, y'all. Oh, man, he made it to the fourth scene of the movie before he died. <laughs> we told him not to play that drinking game anymore why would these kids go back to the tide pods <laughs> they were so much safer they arrive at the party and they split up each using their own approach jim west of course because he's just dressed up as jim west is immediately spotted by miss may lee east played by Biling. she's great she's phenomenal She's the personal assistant of Dr. Arliss Loveless, who is presumed dead by most. And she hits on him, because obviously. He's the lead character in this movie. And she's a woman in this movie. It's all it takes in this movie. Then the main event begins. Dr. Loveless, 
Sir fucking Kenneth fucking Brana enters the party, bursting through a paper mache Abe Lincoln bust, revealing that he's both alive and also completely Lieutenant Dand. He got Lieutenant Dand arguably more than Lieutenant Dan. He's probably closer to Dewey Cox's brother. He got a real bad case of getting whatever didn't happen this one. Some, I don't know something what did in it. half. Slapped in half, probably. Probably slapped in half. <laughs> and he's riding around in a steam-powered wheelchair, as you do. It looks awesome. It's pretty neat. It's like a, just a wheelchair with steam coming out the back of it. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> the ultimate turn your brain off. Don't think too hard about this mechanism. <laughs> yes. Loveless goes to meet with McGrath immediately after denying that he's at the party. So West follows him, and after investigating the office after they leave, he finds the location of their next rendezvous, like, very easily. It's not hard, because he goes over to a desk that has one of, like, one of those leather covers on it, and all he does is, like, do an etching over it. Yep. In a way, like, and with a like, crayon. Hey, look, that's a map. It just happens to be here. Did somebody doodle this into the leather? I don't know how this works. It's about that time that Miss East arrives and attempts to seduce Jim West, while the people who just hang out in paintings try to assassinate him. As you do. Obviously, he's like, keep your assassins out your fucking paintings. And he slaps the <laughs> shit out of all of them, but with guns. That would be so weird if that's what he yelled at Chris Rock. <laughs> oh, man. So after he shoots all of the painting people, he goes out to the party to warn Gordon but mistakes a shapely woman for Gordon in disguise. He starts drumming on her boobies. Yeah, he does. He's like, and hey. that's the line from the movie. You did a real good job of making these knockers more realistic. Bop, 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 bop. This period film, Louisiana, 1869, and Will Smith says, drumming on <laughs> her boobies. Drumming on them boobies. But again, it's not Gordon. It's not. It's an actual lady. Gordon. It's a lady. So Gordon does appear at the top of a staircase in full disguise and yells, hang him, and produce, <laughs> produces a rope for them to do this. Dave, I have another, what I think is a caped IMDb trivia fact. Okay. Kevin Klein had a case of the Mondays throughout production. He really, really did in everything that I read. This movie was originally going to be Will Smith and George Clooney. Oh, boy. And George Clooney called up Sonnenfeld one day and said, you gave Will Smith all the funny lines. I got nothing. I'm not going to be the straight man in this thing. So they got Kevin Klein to do it. And then you have this weird battle of both these men trying to get the joke every single time. Every single time. It's always a fight to see who gets the punchline. And I think critically, you understand how well it works. <laughs> I want to see the version of this movie before Sonnenfeld was attached, when it was Richard Donner directing written by Shane Black, starring Mel Gibson or Tom Cruise. I would have loved that. But also with this movie, it's written by four different people. You got S.S. Wilson, Brent Maddock, Jeffrey Price, and Peter S. Seaman. And do you know who actually wrote it? Who? No one fucking knows. Nobody. Because Wilson and, and Maddock are the ones that are credited with the most writing on it. But they said after the premiere, that's not the that's movie not we movie. wrote. They brought in a script doctor for this thing who just created an entirely new movie because John Peters wanted them to. Yeah, nobody claims this movie as their own. John Peters must. I feel like if anybody is proud of this movie, it's John Peters. And we've talked about the giant spider in the past. We're going to get to it very, very shortly. Yeah. But in the writing of the script, as they were pitching this movie to John Peters, the 
at least the screenplay of it, they said that Jim West would ride a horse in the night, to which John Peters said, why not make it a motorcycle? And they said, because it's 1869, <laughs> you ex-fucking hairdresser. And he said, yeah, I think you can make it a motorcycle. Think you can and that shows you where this man's brain is at all times. I couldn't get my giant spider into Superman. Can we? We'll get there. And they even said that they wanted, like, stealth fighters at the end of this thing, too. Stop it. Yeah. John Peters. John Peters. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> the man has no understanding of time. He doesn't. That's why he was only married to Pam Anderson for 12 days. <laughs> oh, but what a 12 days. Till death do you part. Or a fortnight-ish. <laughs> Almost a fortnight. <laughs> Now, because I gave you a caped IMDb trivia fact, I also have an actual IMDb trivia fact. All right. Will Smith turned down the lead role in The Matrix to star in this movie, being a fan of the television series. He later said that this was the worst decision he made in his career. Yeah, Jada somehow escaped that one because of The Matrix. So, good job. (laughs) I would have hated him in The Matrix. It would have been a very different movie. And we wouldn't have Wild Wild West. Uh, Morpheus, I have two questions for you. I know Kung Fu and why he don't want me. (laughs) Followed immediately by like, I make this look good. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Very different tone. While everyone gathers outside to hang Jim West, Gordon sneaks into Loveless's quarters inside and finds Rita Escobar, Salma fucking Hayek. She is, you know, just locked in a cage casually. In a sex room. In a sex room. You see all those toys that were by the bed? Like the, the whips and chains and you name it, man. It had it. It was a sexy room. <laughs> well, if you got no bottom half, you got to improvise. <laughs> I guess so. What do you say? Like, stretch me. I don't, I don't know how this works. <laughs> Kid jerk off with a ghost hand. <laughs> I got no sense of being alive. It's true. <laughs> the way he's cut. Because he gets slapped at one point by Will Smith and he goes spinning around he in spins. the chair. Yeah. Like he's a top or some sort. Where does he end? I don't really have a right way to ask. I don't like, know. Where does he end? <laughs> Somewhere around the waist, I imagine. I don't know. But does it go farther? Like, is it his dick that's tucked into like the, the hole at the bottom? There's like just <laughs> Well, he like, said he has a weird cock ring that comes up from underneath and like yes. keeps him really in there like it's a wing he's- nut bolted on i don't know i have so many questions about this man's anatomy i don't know uh, mcgrath has a weird horn in his ear so <laughs> he got it blown off and they just burned a horn into his ear so he can hear presumably i don't, I don't know. know if that's how it works i don't know how any of this works and can we talk about kenneth branagh's accent because it's amazing and it's, <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever so bad that it's good for everyone who ever listens to the show, whenever we make fun of Southern people, which is often. Yeah, it, it might be too that. often. It's that. It's exactly that. But there's still something behind it that's not quite right. He's got a, a more cornbread, not molasses. Yeah, cornbread, not molasses. That's a good way of putting it. The only way to put it. Sure. I think. To avoid I thought, I thought getting it slapped. felt a little more sweet tea. <laughs> But it was a little sing-saudy. It wasn't really grits or anything like that. No, I agree. Not bad for a Northern Irishman either way. <laughs> it's, he pulls it off 
somehow. Maybe just because the entirety of this movie is ridiculous, so you just don't care. I don't. I just want it to be him. I don't even care about the West or the Gordon. I want it to be Arliss Loveless <laughs> the whole way through. Let's just clump this, but everybody's Brenna. That would be incredible. Deep fake it, please. I'm in. You got my ticket sold right away. And keep the beard for every character, including <laughs> Rita. <laughs> I'm in. That beard, I, I think they tried to recreate it for the Hunger Games. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Completely agree. Gordon thinks he recognizes Rita, which will certainly come back later in the movie. It will not. No, not a chance. He frees her from the cage, and then, you know, we cut outside where Jim West is pleading his case to not be hanged. It doesn't seem like he's in all that much danger. They're just, like, hearing him out. He's like, listen, guys. But they're not even hearing him out because he's standing on the back of, like, a wagon while this noose is tossed over, and he's the only one standing there. Right. Like, it, it, he's going to have to voluntarily put his head <laughs> in there for him to be hanged. There's nobody there to hang, and he, they're just waiting for him to hang himself. But everyone's just kind of, like, milling around, having their own side conversations. So he's like, hey, 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 Go look at me, I'm going to slap attention. the shit out of you. Look at me. And then everyone does. It seems like there is no immediate danger here. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith would not go on to hang himself until many years later. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's pleading his case, but the crowd isn't having it. Luckily, the noose that Gordon provided is a trick elastic rope that launches Will into the air just as Gordon and Rita ride by on a horse-drawn carriage. All very convenient timing. Yeah, comedy also. It's hysterical. It's very, very funny the way that the noose is boingy. That's right. <laughs> so West, Gordon, and Rita flee to the Wanderer where Rita asks for their help in rescuing her father, Professor Escobar who is one of the kidnapped scientists. So many kidnapped scientists that you keep track of here. There's so many. And none of them matter. That's right. Loveless hosts a reception for foreign leaders to demonstrate his newest weapon, a steam-powered tank. And he demonstrates it on all of McGrath's soldiers. Which I don't understand how this works, because the tank comes up out of the water. It sits, like, at this lakeside. Yeah. And then it just starts firing all willy-nilly, and they all get lit up. And this seems like one of those tanks where you could just Lay down. You could probably and just be duck okay. and, and live. Yeah. Because <laughs> it does not go up or down or anything like that. It just fires at like a cool five foot eight. <laughs> yeah. Hit the deck. You're safe. But McGrath's men aren't that smart. They're not. They follow McGrath. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. McGrath is pretty pissed off and he threatens to shoot Loveless. But Loveless shoots him first because he's got a neat backwards gun in the back of his wheelchair that he just hits a button and it shoots behind him after saying a one-liner which i can't remember oh he, he accuses him of betrayal for surrendering at uh App appomattox appomattox <laughs> i feel like i can't do without going molasses though you do kind of have to gotta go a little molasses on appomattox savannah savannah georgia I betrayed you, you betrayed me when you surrendered at Appomattox. That's a pretty good Branna. Oh, really? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Branna's doing a good Branna here. No, he doesn't give a damn. Good for him, though. He's having a ball. Oh, yeah. Every, I, it seems like everybody's at least having fun. Except for Kevin Klein. <laughs> Except for Kevin Klein. He's like, I have to put on what now? Oh, wonderful. I love it. 
As Loveless and his posse are heading to Spider Canyon, West, Gordon, and Rita find the dying McGrath, who reveals that he was framed by Loveless for the new Liberty Massacre, which is like this, this big thing where the people very died. same tank showed up and killed a bunch of people, including West's family. So I like how they make this tank sound like it's a thing of legend. Like, I've heard of that tank. I've heard tell of this tank. It rose up and it gets all squeaky-like. And then it just shoots in a circle, and if you don't duck, you die. You get got. The trio pursue Loveless on the Wanderer, but thanks to some crafty hydraulics, Loveless maneuvers his train behind the Wanderer by, you know, lifting it up off the tracks, and they drive underneath it, and then he lowers it back down, and they don't notice that they drive underneath another train. I feel like we've done every single listener a disservice by waiting until this point to talk about the train conductor, because it's M fucking Emmett fucking Walsh. Yeah, it is. And he's M fucking Emmett fucking Walshing all over the screen. He absolutely is. Coleman, amazing. He is amazing. And he gets so confused by the train disappearing. He's like, hey, wait, something's wrong here. And of course, it's Artemis Gordon, the science man who has not disappeared, but he's also a marshal. He's like, hey, if we're chasing them, why are they chasing us? This doesn't make any sense. I thought we were chasing them. Now they're behind us. How do trains work? I don't know how this train works because it's got gizmos and gadgets. Because then you got Will Smith lying on the pool table and he gets lowered underneath and goes on the track, sliding out to go underneath the other train now. And that doesn't really work out the way they plan either because the the thing, Amabob, that sends him flying to the other train breaks. Not great. And then he has a bungee rope, luckily. The bungee noose. Luckily, he still has the noose (laughs) for hilarity as he swings past the train and then gets launched toward the... I don't know. Why do they have multiple... I don't even know if it's just rope or if it is always noosed. I don't know. It might be defaulted to noose. (laughs) That's not great. I understand it is the U.S. South 1869, but not (laughs) great to have a goof-em-up noose. It seems a little insensitive. Hey, you know what would be funny is if we used this bungee noose several times. Oh, dear. No. No. Equally as funny would be a cannon-fired grappling hook. That happens to lock onto the internal door of the train. How? (laughs) (laughs) Absolute insanity. I love it. It really is nuts. Loveless launches this cannon grappling hook, and it (laughs) catches the Wanderer, and it stops it. And I don't know, does Will actually, like, successfully stop Loveless's train? Sort of. But I don't know if we ever really truly find out because he like puts something into the the smokestack of it and then it just blows up. Right. There's there's an explosion. But then on the other side, you got Selma Hayek and Kevin Klein. How she grabs the pool balls. Right. Because billiard he, balls. We trick billiard balls. Right. And then she pushes the button on it at one point and it creates like a weird sleepy gas that I don't know if she knew it could do that or not. He literally describes to her that they all have sleeping gas, and it turns oh, out there that's, you go. that's a lie. But she doesn't know that. There's one that's not sleeping gas, but we won't find that out until later in the movie. She just grabs it. And she's like, I'm going to stop them. And she puts herself to sleep like an idiot. That's not what he wanted to. <laughs> They're going to capture us. I'm going to hit this button. And then all three of them fall asleep. And then two of them wake up in a field. In a field wearing the same dog collars, the, the metal cones of shame. And all this loveless steals their train i guess but now it has a weird megaphone system that he yells out the back of. yeah now he's got a pa so he can you know do the thing that villains do in movies and tell them everything he's about to do 
he does exactly that. And it's almost <laughs> like he gets louder as he gets farther away. Like, I still had things I was telling you. <laughs> <laughs> he announces his intentions to capture President Grant at the Golden Spike ceremony in Utah. Of course, West and Gordon are wearing those collars and they're like, all right, well, let's get out of here. And West steps over the line that launches the saw blades because magnets. On Facebook, I asked for questions every single time we record, and Phil Hawkins answered, and he said, magnets, how do they work? <laughs> Apparently, they've changed since the 1800s. Yeah, I don't know how these magnets work, because a magnet, according to this movie, takes 400 years to lose its magnetism. To demagnetize. But let's say you put a razor blade of crossfireness <laughs> in there this keeps spinning around after you shoot a marble at it or whatever like yeah. at some point it's going to have to stop spinning like right. you can't have this battle with gravity while it's doing a death spin the whole way i do not understand but, but at the same time magnets so counterpoint magnets that's all you really need to say isn't it for me to be confused again it just keeps spinning <laughs> and keeps attacking them and they're worried that they're going to get caught up in it realistically, I could be on trial for murder, double murder, capital murder even, and I could be completely innocent. But if the, the prosecutor man coming at me, he's just like, I got a quick question for you. Magnets. I'd be like, fuck. You got me. You got me. You completely <laughs> got me. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Don't you write a song right now, Dewey Cox. <laughs> So West and Gordon run through a cornfield for a while, and then they jump into a mud-filled ravine, so the blades hit each other, which causes them to explode, obviously. Because that's what happens when two metal blades hit each other. They blow up. That's right. They had to blow up, though, because if they didn't, they would still be attracted to the collars because magnets. Right. Just because they collided means the magnetism of 400 years is gone, I guess. Well, they blew up, so it doesn't... I don't know. You know, the pieces of the metal... You would think would shards, anything like that, but no, no, no. Well, the no, explosion I... uh, made the shard. I don't know. That's they don't... fall into a mud pit. Will Smith <laughs> sneezes, and it's funny. Yep, he sneezes. According to this movie, and we go. Ha! He's now even dirtier than he was prior. And they have a whole bullshit scene of they can't oh, get God. the collars off. Some extremely unnecessary magnet-based humor. <laughs> Just what we needed. Because oh yeah, because Gordon. <laughs> Gordon takes a rock and hits the collar of, of, he hits Will, <laughs> he hits Jim West's collar and it reverses the polarity of the magnet because magnets, how do they work? work? I just, I love asinine. that there's a writer out there. How like someone came running, they're like, oh, oh, Frank, you know all those magnet jokes you had written? I finally got the vehicle for them. <laughs> I figured it out. Just smack it with a rock and it'll reverse the, the polarity. The polarity of it. It's hysterical. <sighs> Do you think Neil deGrasse Tyson likes this movie? Because he's a real downer about a lot of stuff. I hope that even Neil deGrasse Tyson can put aside science <laughs> long enough to enjoy Wild Wild West. <laughs> like, that's the one that brought him down to earth. <laughs> down to earth. Get it? Because astrophysics. That's right. Nailed it. That's a subconscious joke. <laughs> kind of the way I pronounced Wild Wild West the way that Neil deGrasse Tyson would. That's right. <laughs> wild Wild West. Just really enunciated. He's, he enunciates a lot. I could listen to him all day. He does a good job of separating 
his words. Like, if I could be rich enough to pay someone to read me a bedtime story every Ooh. day, he'd be a top fiver. Yeah. He would definitely come in somewhere around the Morgan Freeman area. I wouldn't want Morgan Freeman to read me a bedtime story because he would be interesting. He made penguins not boring. Penguins? Boring? Yeah. I don't know about that. He made them so not boring that they had to make a movie Happy Feet just to bring the penguins back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> hey, we got too excited about real penguins. Let's go back to the fun Let's imaginary dancing penguins. penguins. Just because these little bastards are up on a pedestal right now that we can't have. <laughs> the world order is off its kilter. We cannot have that. Penguins are having a moment we need to cash in. Happy Feet 2. Let's go. Oh, we haven't even done Happy Feet 1 yet. You heard me! I'm John Peters! <laughs> Greenlight it! 17 penguin movies. Now. <laughs> what is this? The Fast and the Furious? <laughs> yeah, but instead of family, it's about penguins. They are family they breed for life i think that's what i've heard i think <laughs> i think i don't remember the penguin they, movie. they give pebbles and then the men take care of the eggs that's a thing seems like a fair trade-off they're like hey you want this pebble and she's like yeah you want to carry this egg i feel like there's like penguin misogyny somewhere in there i just don't know where it is yet it's hard to say because it's like the woman's making the man penguin lazy by saying you take this egg exchange for this pebble and i'll just do everything <laughs> Look, you can't handle this. Just take the kid, and I will take care of everything else. That's actually the most realistic thing ever. Because <laughs> I'd fuck up literally everything else. Like, you're telling me I have to do this one thing. I might be able to do that. <laughs> and that's how we found out that Dave and the Penguins are actually just alike. That's right. <laughs> No, but for real, because you think about it, like you asked me to the one thing, the nature thing, and it's like if I fuck it up, it just, it doesn't end up in March of the Penguins, it ends up planet Earth as a predator type thing, right? or whatever, and you get to watch and meet my weird penguin child, and it's just <laughs> nature at that point. It's not Daddy Dave Penguin fucked up, it's, it's nature. Nature. Oh, shit happens, it's nature. And then I go slide on my belly, down a hill. It looks fun <laughs> as hell. It really does. Get on with the magnet-based humor. <laughs> Luckily, because of all of the magnet shenanigans, they find Loveless's private railroad, which is a thing, I guess. Well, they got there because Artemis Gordon's looking for his toolkit. Oh, right. And then only when it was comedically funny did he find his auxiliary toolkit. Oh, there's my After backup. all the shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Oh, it must have been in my pocket. Surprised you didn't have something that fired at your ass. Oh, that'd be the first place he checked. Because we write comedy on this movie. Do, do you get it? They find Arliss Loveless's private railroad. And it leads them right to his industrial complex hidden in Spider Canyon. Which was not a long walk away from where they were. None of the travel in this movie takes any time at all. It takes exactly the amount of time for them to, you know, make some jokes on a train, and then they get to the place. Much, 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 much worse are Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if you pulled up Jokes Google Maps? on a train. <laughs> Google Maps and you put in your, your destination. It was like, yeah, just get on a train and like do some, some slapstick stuff and you'll be there. <laughs> That's right. And the funnier you are, the faster the trip is. <laughs> you know, some pool table based humor. Maybe you're upside down looking at the tracks and then bam, you're in New Orleans. That's it. That's all it takes. But they find this crazy city that's not a city. It's a building. 
It's it's a single building. The and city. then you have Arliss Loveless come rising up from this canyon valley, whatever it is, on this giant ass spider, and he must have made eye contact with our heroes as he came up. I mean, how do you miss the two humans standing in this desert plain? But then you have the two human men looking up. They're like, wow, that's an impressive giant-ass spider right there. That's an 80-foot mechanical spider. And I got to tell you, the thing that was bugging me off with this giant spider was as it's walking over them, I'm like, it got over you mostly, but that bitch has got eight legs. You got to watch out. There's another leg behind you. You should definitely be counting how many of them are in front of you and how many are still going to probably hit you from behind. And then I like how there's like these small little pillars of mountain around it. And There's no way. It's like, it's trapped. There's no way out. And then it just blasts it just to show us it has guns. Boom. It's like, hey, we got nitroglycerin cannons, baby. We can get through any tiny little stalactite. Well, I guess it'd be a stalagmite. <laughs> but it's not in a cave. No, it's just out in the open. It's just a rock formation. Hey, look at that mildly inconvenient rock formation. We can blow it up and get past it. It could be my dead penguin child. It's nature. I don't know. <laughs> Dave, I have what is probably another caped IMDb trivia fact. Yeah, go ahead. A giant steampunk robot spider was originally what Rosebud was supposed to be in Citizen Kane. It was left in the cutting room floor, so John Peters used it in this film to honor its cinematic legacy, saying Orson Welles had no idea what he was doing. That sounds like something John Peters would say. (laughs) The worst part is, it does sound like something he would say. I'm going to quickly backtrack here. Because we talked about this in our episode on The Death of Superman Lives. What happened? What happened? How John Peters wanted to have a giant spider at the end of his Superman Lives film. Kevin Smith talks about it. And Kevin Smith said, absolutely fucking not. Yeah. But then he was so excited that John Peters got it in Wild Wild West, not a few years later. (laughs) This giant spider was happening no matter what. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't in this movie, it would have been in whatever he produced next. There are three things in this world that are inevitable. Death, taxes, <laughs> John and John Peters getting spider. his giant robot spider. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right, that's the cape fact. I have an actual IMDb trivia fact, too. Not nearly as interested. When this movie swept the 20th annual Razzie Awards, winning five statuettes, including Worst Picture, Robert Conrad, who played James West in the original 1960s television series, accepted three of the awards in person as his way of expressing his low opinion of what had been done with his source material. He then delivered them to the recipients personally. That is a badass move. I love it. Jim West is described as being a James Bond of the Old West. Right. And what they did here is not that. This is Will Smith of the Old West. So delivering Razzies by hand to its recipients is just... The proper level of badassery. Absolutely. And I think like the worst part about that is that Will Smith took this role because he wanted to play James Bond so bad. And then he wasn't even close. No, not even close. So anyway, this giant spider, Loveless drives it right over to President Grant's ceremony. Uh, but he doesn't know that Gordon West are there too, because I don't know, they walk the same speed as a giant spider. Well, this movie is an hour and 46 minutes long, and it would be around 16 minutes long if they didn't have this stupid railroad spike bit <laughs> that they keep going back to. Well, oh, they keep man. putting a little golden spike in there. You listen to Grant's about to hit it, and then it just pops out. And they do it like four times. It's too many times. Like, there's a comedy rule of threes. 
And I think that's what they were going for here. Maybe, but I think but they forgot how to count. Funny. The railroad spike fell out again. Brr. You laughing yet? This is when Seth MacFarlane said, I have an idea for a show about a family guy. Because <laughs> this humor is hysterical. Oh, get it? It just keeps going. So Loveless is like, hey, Mr. President, surrender your country to me and get on with it. I'm on a, I'm on a timeline here. I'm going to blow up some trains. And I love that President Grant just stands there as the trains around him are getting exploded. He's like, mm, doesn't phase me. Why would it? He's a badass. He is a badass. And then Gordon emerges in his Grant disguise again. Like Where did he saw get this the from? White House. I don't they were on the train just, you know, doing what they do best. They were trying to figure out if they were going to, you know, invent a flying machine to go and then they decided, "No, let's just get on horses and catch up to the giant spy." I don't know. The whole thing doesn't make sense. I understand I asked a logistical question. That's on me. I apologize. Yeah. So now there's two Ulysses S. Grant standing there. And it's like, ha, we tricked him. We're going we're gonna to get the real president out of here. And then, of course, Loveless goes, all right, take them both. Yeah, it's the right move. It's very smart of him. I'm surprised the movie thought of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jim West is scaling the giant spider. When he gets to the top, he's like, he tries to deliver a one-liner, and he gets shot by one of Loveless's bodyguards and then seemingly falls to his death. That's, that's a wrap on Will Smith. It should be. How great would that be, though? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you tried to be funny, so you got shot. Now that's a slap in the face. Yeah, would be. <laughs> Back in his industrial complex, Loveless reveals that he intends to destroy the United States with his mechanized forces unless Grant agrees to divide the country amongst Great Britain, France, Spain, Mexico, Native Americans, and, you know, a little piece for me to retire on. So... When you look at the way he breaks up this map, it's a very Lex Luthor move. It's super Lex Luthor. But he breaks it up. He says the original 13 colonies are going back to Great Britain minus Manhattan. Minus which Manhattan. was a weird thing to do. Super weird. <laughs> you don't get Manhattan. You have Florida going back to Spain. You have France is going to kind of get like just barely to the east of the Mississippi. And it's like you get back half of the Louisiana Purchase. You don't even get back half of the Louisiana Purchase because Loveless gets just about all of it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. France should be here like, Sacre bleu! We got <laughs> fucked! <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> this legless knigget, he'd just taken our land. Why, you should be happy I'm giving some of it back. But in all fairness, the, the land that Loveless wants to, quote unquote, retire on, it's the bullshit land of the country. Like, go ahead. Take <laughs> it. Have, oh, you want Idaho? Enjoy it. You want Montana and the Dakotas? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no. Just give it to them. Just care. say yes. You <laughs> Start this all over again. Because we're going to prove in 160 years that we fucked up the whole the American experiment was a complete fucking disaster. <laughs> if only he had the foresight to see that, could have solved all of our problems here. We could have hit the reset button. This was the chance, man. Grant could have just been like, you know what? I'm going to keep everything else, but Loveless, I, I love the chutzpah. You keep that little section you want, but I'm still going to, I'm not going to surrender the rest of it to these guys. What Loveless offered is the equivalent of whenever you're playing Risk and you're forced back into Australia. Like, you are put back in that tiny area for you to rebuild all your forces and get stronger and then start spreading again. It's like, take it. Yeah. 
take it. You have nothing to lose here, except your entire <laughs> except country. Except your entire but country. Besides that, you have but nothing like beside, to lose. Exactly. While all this is happening, West wakes up on the ground, having survived the gunshot and the 80-foot fall to the ground, because Gordon had secretly sewn some chainmail into his vest. I'll buy the, the bullet being stopped. I do not buy the fall at all. I don't even buy the bullet being stopped. If I have to buy something, it's the bullet being stopped. It was stopped. point blank range. At the very least, he's got several broken bones. But this is an 1869 gun. It's like if I took a rock and threw it at you. They're also 1869 bones. That's true. <laughs> I don't know what Calcium. that means. How does this work? <laughs> <laughs> but it's my argument, damn it. <laughs> Back at Loveless's complex, Grant refuses to surrender, so Loveless orders Gordon to be shot, which totally makes sense, as long as you don't think about it. And I love how Gordon's like, don't worry about me. I'm wearing an impermeable. It's the vest thing. The vest thing. Then he gives this whole impassioned speech about, yeah, shoot me in the chest for my heart that love this that country. Loves like, yeah, country shoot so him much. in the head. And he just goes, oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> this Loveless guy's cold. I like how they took the ending of Dumb and Dumber and <laughs> gave it, like, real high stakes here. Yeah. <laughs> what if he shot you in the face? That's just something we got to risk. <laughs> it's a chance I was willing to take. <laughs> oh, shit, I shouldn't have taken that chance. Just then, Jim West, taking a page from Gordon's playbook, shows up in disguise as a, as a dancing lady. And Barry Sonnenfeld, who was... Very, very unhappy with this movie. Through and through. <laughs> I mean, everybody attached to it was. Said that this was the thing that drove him nuts. That he could not <laughs> believe he had to film it. And he said, yeah, we had, a, we had an okay movie until this point. It wasn't great by any means. But he's like, we definitely lost the audience here. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that was salvageable, gone. Completely as soon as, gone. As soon as Will Smith shows up in that dress and eye makeup and just starts dancing like an idiot for i don't know half an hour it's so long and then of course he gets so cocky that he starts talking to artemis gordon as he's leaned back like oh i'm so sexy oh yeah well he oh, slips man. in the key gordon this this thing is killing me all these dresses he has to get so cocky that he breaks character yeah silly stupid but loveless is none the wiser and west successfully Hands the keys over to Gordon, who gets himself free and starts freeing the scientists. But that's about the time that Jim West boobies become flamethrowers. Yeah. And that's when Loveless catches on. I think my real question about this entire scene is you <laughs> Please, have and Will Smith me. doing this sexy dance as he's seducing the penisless man. There's a lot of footwork involved. And that's the thing I want to talk about is the ah. feet. Like he put on this dress, but he also took the time to paint his toenails. I did not notice that. And that's insane to me. That's like, uh, time doesn't matter in this movie at all. It does not matter at all. He's got to put on this entire outfit and then paint his toenails. I wonder, to if he, the look. wonder if he took the train there because then, you know, Google Maps is like, oh, well, paint your toenails. That's how long it takes to get there. You've got time. <laughs> but also kind of would have loved to have seen a little just quick aside of Will Smith on the train just... <laughs> What is toenails trying? The whole time, like, I can't believe I'm doing a stupid costume thing. <laughs> I feel like an indigo person. I think this is going to work real good. It's going to make my eyes pop. He did a really good job with the eye makeup, actually. He did. It's That's impressive. impressive. 
So Loveless escapes on his spider thing in the ensuing battle, and he takes President Grant with him. And then there's just absolute pandemonium happening. There's scientists running away. There's a bunch of, you know, foreign dignitaries who are like, ah, it's crazy. He's got flamethrower boobies. And then somehow we get out of that scene. <laughs> I was trying to think how we got out of that scene. And then we get out of that scene because Will Smith's like, hey, remember that flying thing you were talking about? And then they're doing the flying and thing you were talking somehow about. Somehow they took the time to invent a flying machine while the president is being held captive on a giant spider. <laughs> what? And at this point also, Coleman's just like, I'm giving you a little Bon Voyage present. They're like, Coleman, dude, you're not coming with us? He's like, that's Agent Coleman. I'm a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> that's the big reveal. <laughs> I've been driving the train, but I've been a U.S. Marshal the whole time. It's like Charlie Kelly, pretty much. Just going like, that's because I cut the brake lines. Wild, Wild card, card, bitches. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then hopping off the back. Oh, yeah. God. It's so, so good. And M.M. at Walsh just dips out of this movie. He's like, nope, that's it. That's for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Absolutely done. <laughs> you guys have fun with your flying machine. Your Da Vinci-inspired bicycle with wings. And it gets even better because they start just driving across the desert and he's yelling Avanti because, because. that has to be said over and over again. Like, we're not getting enough lift. We're not because <laughs> we know flying stuff. Of course we do. So he drives off a cliff. There was one of your inventions that had to work. I'm glad it was this one. It works. Spoilers, it works. They don't all die. The movie just suddenly end. Oh, that would have been brilliant, though. That would be the way to do it. Sonnenfeld. Honestly, that might have saved the movie if they just fell off the cliff and died. Bring, 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 bring. Hello? Hello? Is this Dick Donner? Hi, this is Barry Sonnenfeld. (laughs) I want to know how to do my own director's cut 30 years later. (laughs) Oh, you have better luck asking Snyder. Yeah, you do. <laughs> do you think if we started putting release the Sonnenfeld on Twitter? Absolutely. Be like, For what? <laughs> a Men in Black? No, Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. We need the Sonnenfeld cut. For Weirdly sure. Weirdly enough, that would be the one to get traction. I wouldn't be surprised. Because people like this movie. I still don't know why. <laughs> I don't either. But I agree. I like the movie. Yeah. We'll get there. They drive off a cliff and they fly. And they fly. A lot. They fly a lot. They fly for so long. It's the only time that they actually show travel happening. And then, you know, they land the flying machine on the giant spider. (laughs) This movie, you can't even talk about it without sounding like an asshole. You can't. And then they end up fighting everybody. And there's like a whole mechanics crew that they fight. Right? Oh, Jim West has to fight all of the henchmen. There's like a guy with a metal head and a guy with knives for hands. and One has a proper railroad spike through, through his, his head. What is happening? I don't know. That's not the type of guy I want working on my giant mechanical steampunk no. spike. I would like to hire somebody that has a fully intact brain. Will Smith obviously defeats all the henchmen. I have a question about one henchman in particular. Okay. And it's the all metal man. The all metal man. Okay. How does he kill him? I don't think he does. Because what happens is he gets stuck between these two pipes and then just hands him a giant wrench and then Giant Metal Man puts it above his head and then just explodes his own brain. Magnets. What is happening there? <laughs> That's the best theory I have. Magnets. Is there like some sort of bare wire that we didn't notice? 
I have no idea. Like a high voltage thing? I don't understand. And then he like hangs one guy who has knives for arms and he says, no more Mr. Knife Guy. Right. And then I killed myself in real life. No more. And now I'm a ghost and I'm doing this podcast as a ghost. (laughs) That is the, that is a suicide worthy line, I guess. (laughs) It really is. And well, also, when the coroner comes and finds my dead body weeks later after the screen's all black because everything's already turned off, chop and they cut off my your head, head off, and they do it the, light it up. the autopsy, and they light up. They're like, Spin it upside down, wow, put the glasses he got on far. It. He's really drunk, but he got far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know this scene. It was, it was <laughs> the no more, was the Mr. No more knife Mr. Guy. Knife Guy line. That's the one that did it. Yeah. We see a lot of this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, Loveless. Sees that all of his henchmen have been defeated, so he's got to go downstairs to put a whooping on Jim West. And he, like, lowers himself down, and then Jim West just waiting there and just kicks him. <laughs> just kicks him in the chest. It's like, honestly, it's the right move, I think. And he gets, like, stuck, and he's like, oh, I'm going to make more paraplegic jokes. That's all they do in this movie, is Loveless <laughs> makes fun of Will Smith for being black, and then Will and Smith go makes back fun and of him for, for not having legs. Yeah. And then... Just like Lieutenant Dan, Loveless has new mechanical legs. He got magic legs. Arliss Loveless, you got new legs! <laughs> he grows four of them, and Arliss Loveless says, Clearly, you're not a poker player. And then two minutes pass, and he goes, Because you would know that four of them got to There's such a delay between the setup and the punchline. All the mechanical legs like pop out, and it takes forever. So long. Then he hits that punchline. John Peters like, we really got to milk the CGI in this scene where he arises from the wheelchair on the mechanical legs. But then he starts walking towards him on the mechanical legs, and he starts just stomping Will Smith. Yeah, just just putting the, the leg on his face. Like, yeah, I bet it hurts when you get slapped in the face with this leg, huh? Yeah, you think? And then you got Artemis Gordon, who's got the little gun. Yes, he's got the little gun, which, remember, he had it inside a belt buckle, and Will Smith was like, you ought to replace your stupid little notepad with the tiny gun. And now he's finally done it. He's put the tiny gun in his sleeve, and he takes the tiny gun, and he shoots at Loveless, and Loveless is like, ha, you missed. You, you terrible. You get one shot, and you waste it. He's like, nah, I got you. Yeah, he shot the leg. The one leg, leg and it shot- made hydraulic fluid leak. Out One of everything, leg. and you know they had 1869's top hydraulic scientist <laughs> captive. I can't tell if this is just not a very good scientist or if it was set up. You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna make it so if one of them goes, they all go. You know, I'm being held captive against my will, and I think I'm giving this movie way too much credit right now. You think? <laughs> so yeah, the the legs again take forever to slowly lower him onto the floor, and then he starts pleading for his life as he slowly backs up to his original wheelchair position because he knows he has that secret gun on the back of the wheelchair. He's like, I'm going to get <laughs> As long Jim as I West. get him behind me, dead man. <sighs> yep. I'm, I'm exhausted. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. Oh, also while this is happening, Gordon and Grant are up on the, on the deck of the spider just... Kicking all of the ladies' asses. All of Loveless's, I don't know, guards? Gordon's breakdance fighting. <laughs> yes. Because, of course. Because, of course. Because comedy said, this is funny. Hey, you know it's really out of place in an 1800s sci-fi steampunk? <laughs> I... Breakdance. Don't even finish the thought. It doesn't even make sense. You're right. 
nothing's out of place when your shit is this ridiculous. That's right. Loveless gets back to his wheelchair, and the whole mechanical giant spider is approaching a cliff. Because of course it is. Because nobody's manning the controls. Right. Loveless attempts to shoot West with the concealed gun on the, on the wheelchair, but instead he hits the spider's steam pipes, which stops it, luckily, from going over the, the cliff, but it also stops it in a position where he's now downhill. And even though he was stuck between these two pipes, now he's going to roll forward. <laughs> it makes no sense. The abrupt stop leaves Jim West and Loveless hanging precariously from the spider, and that's when Loveless is like, oh, I, I have this button here. It would release, release the whole thing, and it'd be worth it to kill you, I think, but I would also die, so I don't know if I should do And Wes is like, shut up, and he hits the button. He hits the button because Loveless like, taunts him into doing it. He's like, yeah, on the outside, you're black as night, but inside, you're yellow. Oh, say whatever you want. calls me yellow. <laughs> Keep that color out your mouth. <laughs> West pulls the lever, but he survives by grabbing onto the ankles of the metal man who is still dangling from outside of the... The knife guy. Oh, yeah, it was the, the, the no more Mr. Knife guy. But there clearly is more dangling. Mr. Knife guy. He's just hanging there off the edge of the spider, and Jim West catches him, and Loveless falls to his death. Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Yeah, just make it like a Band-Aid. Pull just, it off. Just one more before we get out of this movie. Though a box office failure in the U.S. and managed to turn a profit overseas... It's commonly joked that the only reason this movie earned any money at all is because unaccompanied minors would buy tickets to this movie, then use them to sneak into screenings of South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and American Pie. Good work, kids. Good work buying tickets to this movie and then dipping. <laughs> Smart move. I did not do that. I bought tickets to this movie and then watched this movie. You fool! Yeah, at the movie theater in 1999 with my next-door neighbor and sometimes guest on this show, Mitchell. We were the only three people in the movie theater, and we spent most of the time throwing stuff at the screen and rolling down the aisle. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because it was more entertaining than the film. The film that we like. Right. <laughs> Maybe it's just remembering throwing stuff at the screen and rolling down the aisle. I don't know. That'll do it. Since we're talking IMDb facts and box office, this one's probably a Cape IMDb trivia fact. Oh, what gave you that idea, Brian? Wild Wild West had a worldwide gross of $221.1 million at the box office versus G.I. Jane's $48.2 million two years prior. Yeah, so what's Will Smith all upset about? If Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't like jokes about alopecia, that's hair loss. Oh, jeez. Well, that's been the podcast for forever. We're never going to get better than that. I didn't write that. I, it was a meme. I saw it, and it just felt appropriate. It's very good, though. <laughs> <laughs> I feel dirty just for saying it. As you should. Why don't we finish off the movie? <laughs> That's the right move, probably. Later, President Grant promotes Gordon and West as agents one and two of his new U.S. Secret Service. And they're like, oh, which one is which? Well, you guys could talk about it on your next mission. Ha. I just want to go on record here and saying that the historical nerd in me freaked the fuck out at this also because the Secret <laughs> Service was created in 1865. Not 1869. And it was done to combat U.S. counterfeiting of money after the Civil War. How about that? Not to protect the president right away. Well, Which it, probably would have been helpful during Lincoln times. But I mean, if we're talking about anachronisms, <laughs> uh, Jim West claims that he was in the 9th Cavalry Regiment 
before the end of the war, and it wasn't even formed until 66. So, What a stupid movie. Come on. Go read a book, movie! The war was over for a full year before that battalion even existed. They don't even care. Not even a little bit. You know, if there's something I want in my 90s steampunk westerns, it's historical (laughs) accuracy. At least try a little bit. Like, show you care. (laughs) Hey, they got the Washington Monument right. Which I couldn't believe. (laughs) That's the teeny tiny bit they cared. Because the Washington Monument wasn't in construction, and then they just stopped building it for like 23 years right. because they ran out of money. I guess like just by default, having it half completed would have been accurate no matter when this movie took place. If it was, This must be some sort of alternate history, right? This it didn't actually happen with the giant spider and, and the kidnapping I, of Grant. How cool would it have been if there was a real giant spider? They just, like, they just brushed <laughs> that under the rug for forever. Actually, the most accurate part of this movie was the giant spider. It was during Reconstruction. We don't bring that part up because there were bigger things happening in the country. We had to unite everybody. We didn't want to divide everybody because this guy with crazy facial hair. Right. That'd be silly. In a very weird Southern accent. <laughs> that's right. Grant leaves on the Wanderer, which again, that's the name of their train. So West and Gordon reunite with Rita, who reveals that Professor Escobar was not actually her father, but her husband the whole time. And she's been, she's been playing them. Which I kind of like for her character, actually, that she's been using them the whole time. I do like that quite a bit because they're a very horny duo of boys. Oh, yeah, they are. And she just leans right on in there. She says, it's actually not my daddy, but it is, in a way. Oh, technically. In a non-technical way, yeah. Technically in a non-technical way. That's my daddy. So Gordon and Wes ride into the sunset on the steampunk spider. And and that's the movie. (laughs) That is the movie, Brian. What a trip. What a, a wonderfully weird, strange journey this has been. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. I'm sorry we missed it while we were on break, but man, I feel like we more than made up for it. I think we did. Let's just get right into the fun part. Rod Tomatoes 100. What are you thinking? Zero. 16. Okay, I was close. The audience score is 28%. <laughs> Roger Ebert saw this and gave it one out of four stars. And he says, Wild Wild West is a comedy dead zone. <laughs> you stare in disbelief as scenes flop and die. The movie is all concept and no content. The elaborate special effects are like watching money burn on the screen. <laughs> You know something has gone wrong when a story is about two heroes in the Old West and the last shot is of a mechanical spider riding up into the sunset. (laughs) He goes on to say, there are moments when all artifice fails and you realize you are regarding desperate actors trapped on the screen, fully aware they've been left hanging out to dry. Consider an early scene where Will Smith and a sexy girl are embracing in a water tank when the evil general rides into town. Smith is made to watch the action through a knothole while continuing to make automatic midair smooching movements with his lips <laughs> as if he doesn't realize he's not kissing the woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know that I've ever heard Roger that brutal. He hated, 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 hated this movie. Hey, that's a thing he says sometimes. It is. Our good friends on Letterboxd had a lot to say about this movie, and they had even more after the Oscars, because a lot of the (laughs) reviews on this was, hey, this movie still slaps. 
Hey, that's, that's a joke that you made. That's right. But from November 22nd, 2020, what can I say? It's a guilty pleasure. Honestly, yes. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it defies it really, all reason. Really but is. I do enjoy this movie. From August 11th, 2019. This is exactly what I believe HBO's Westworld is like and I refuse to find out <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> I've seen Westworld and I wish. <laughs> Better show, worse show. Which direction's it going? I don't know. Different. Maybe more interesting after season two. From April 27th, 2022, was very confused when Will Smith randomly punched Kevin Klein in the face on the train early on. It's not like there was a joke about alopecia to precipitate <laughs> it. <laughs> the best part about that comment is there is no reason for him to hit him in that scene. There was none at all. And this was the time where he did the stupid bitch slap on screen yeah. in the movie where I just didn't understand it. <laughs> and the last one I have is from August 2nd, 2017. I still can't believe Will Smith and Kevin Klein got gay married before it was even legal in Massachusetts. <laughs> and they might as well have. <laughs> for this forced bromance oh, or whatever man. it's supposed to be. This buddy cop, 1860s, 90s, steampunk western, sci-fi, secret agent movie. You throw all the words you want on it. It's the <laughs> Wild Wild West from 1999. I think directed it's by Barry fucking Sonnenfeld. The only way to describe it. How about we give this thing a not-so-super score? Let's do that, but first... And now for another edition of the Kate Podcasters Theater. That's a pretty good accent. No, it wasn't. You're already in character. <laughs> I shaved just for the occasion. As always, for the Kate Podcasters Theater, we have Keaton Patty <laughs> to thank. Keaton Patty writes, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Antiques Roadshow and then asked it to write an episode of Antiques Roadshow of its own. Here's the first page. We're going to do this a little differently this time, Dave. You're going to do the narration and the part of the old lady, and I will be doing the part of the appraiser. I never do the narration. Also, I never see these things because you just send me <laughs> we're about to do it. Are you ready? I'm ready whenever you're ready. Antiques Roadshow. Action. Interior. Bat building. Tens of people walk around, refusing to live in the present. We see an old lady talk to an appraiser. The old lady carries a pile of bones in a plastic bag. My grandfather gave me these bones before he stopped giving me things. <laughs> they are Civil War's bones. Are you sure? I am old. The appraiser tastes the bone as expected. Just what I thought. <laughs> these are not the Civil War's bones. Grandfather will pay for his lies. These bones are better. Grandfather will pay for his truths. These are the bones of the Titanic. <laughs> the famous water truck. <laughs> they are worth more than you can imagine. The old lady imagines $9. These bones are worth $53.17. The old lady jumps for joy. <laughs> she never lands. The Civil War's bones are still missing. This matters. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if I like reading the narration because <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to read these beforehand. <laughs> That's um, insane. I think finding the Civil War's bones is probably the plot of Wild Wild West 2. If it isn't, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give this thing a not-so-super stuff score. First up, story and motivation. Zero. There's like <laughs> nine different stories happening here. None of them play out. It's uh, We gotta stop the president from giving up the country to this madman. It's- Eventually. <sighs> And we also got to find the scientists, and we also have to stop the steampunk robot. Right. And the Lieutenant Dan. All of that. Zero. Zero. Hard zero for story. It's the hardest zero. Protagonists. Jim West, Desperado. Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. No, I don't. You're right. None of us. Uh, I do not like Will Smith in this movie. (laughs) And I don't like Kevin Klein in this movie. That's not true. I love him, but... Uh, it doesn't work. You have two actors here battling for the same part for in punch a lot of lines. Ways, and it doesn't work. And I understand that's kind of just an actor-based thing and not so much a protagonist-based thing, but man, they just stumble across saving the day <laughs> from those bullshit ways. They really do just kind of oops into saving the day. Like there are so many times they should have failed in this mission. I'm going to go zero. Zero. Antagonists. Two. Over Dr. Arliss Loveless. He's so damn good. <laughs> you know, I was getting ready to fight you on a two, but no, I'm going to I'm gonna allow it. Perfect. Two for Dr. <laughs> Arliss Loveless, Sir fucking Kenneth fucking Branagh. I'm so glad he got that Oscar this past year for original <laughs> screenplay and not acting. Female characters. They are there. They exist. They have names like Amazonia and Munitia and Miss Lippenreader. And I, I think I, it's kind of funny when Will Smith shows up in drag at the end of the movie, Loveless gives him a name. So it's like he, he's definitely giving these names to these ladies, which gives it a little bit of story. But at the same time, I mean, like, there's no possible way this movie passes the Bechtel test. No, 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 no. And if it weren't for that turn at the end for Rita... Oh, she's a damsel the whole way through. Every single woman in this movie is either a damsel or eye candy. Let's give this thing a safe zero. Yeah. And call it a day. I think that's the safest thing to do. Let's talk about setting. Louisiana, 1869. But also Washington, D.C., 1869. And also (laughs) Utah, 1869. Right. Spider Canyon. You've got one week to save the day, boys. All right, well, we got to go to New Orleans and have an adventure there, but also then out to Utah and have an adventure there. Right. Uh, what? By train. That's right. <laughs> and it is 1869. This week. <laughs> the movie looks okay. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I actually, well, we'll get to that in style. In style and tone. The setting. Uh... You tell me where I am at one point. Or you tell me Louisiana 869, then you just say, yeah. like, and then you're like oh, someplace we're, else. We're here. in West Virginia for a minute, and then they just stop giving you location titles they stop giving a shit so i'm gonna stop giving a shit and go 0.25 0.25 hey it's past ish good enough it's it's the united states of america i think probably it's not a historically accurate one so 0.25 style and tone i like the way this movie looks i love the way this movie looks and i the cgi surprisingly stands up so well 
there's a few bullshit blue screens, and that's okay. And it's mostly in the train because they spent all the money on the spider. Right, and the spider looks great. Yeah. All the train gags look awesome. Absolutely. The sets look good. I'm going to go 1-5. I actually really like the way this movie looks. I think the movie looks great, and I think a 1-5 is warranted, which is going to bring us to director. I kind of want to go 2. Defend yourself. Because <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld is an extremely competent director. Yes. We've talked about him in the past with The Adams Family and Men in Black. Right. And with this, he understand that he got dealt the shittiest hand imaginable. Oh, absolutely. And he had to ride it out because he was going against the force that is John Peters. <laughs> and he knew he was not making a good movie and he was still trying to make the best out of what he had. Yeah. And he understood he was not in a place to just walk off the movie. Okay. As he said in the future doing interviews, like, I should have just done it. I just wasn't in that place right. in my life and career. I couldn't just do that. He got the best out of what he could. No, two, two's a fucking insane number, Brian. Two's I'm gonna absolutely go, wild. I'm going to go a point five. Because he, point five. He because made a movie. He took a shit and sandwich. And that's hard. And he made it into an enjoyable movie several, several years later. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, point five, and I think that's generous. Point five. He knew what he was working with, and he did the best he could. That's going to bring us to music. Ellen freaking Bernstein. Ellen freaking Bernstein, who we talked about your last birthday for Ghostbusters. That's right. And also in two Patreon episodes for Airplane and Blues Brothers. He's terrific. He's absolutely wonderful. In those movies, yeah. And in this one, there's music, I think. <laughs> it's there. Couldn't hum it if I tried, but it is moderately appropriate. I'm always a sucker, too, for a lead actor doing a song about the movie he's in. For the, you know, for the credits. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't love this one as much as The Men in Black. No, I agree with you there. It's still and it's still fine. I mean, it's still a Will Smith movie tie-in. It is, and unfortunately, the aforementioned Micah oh, on no. our Facebook questions, he says, I'll increase my Patreon for the month if you both sing the Will Smith song from this movie during the episode. To which I'll say, you shouldn't have to throw out those threats there for you to just increase your monthly Patreon donation because you know we donate a lot of it. Yeah, up front. I mean, like you so can do the just, right thing. You can either be a good person or you could try to hold us hostage. That's right. That being said, Patreon.com/slash/KPodcasters. There's a lot of good stuff going on over there. Yeah, and it this is, month especially it is, we're gonna have big fish coming up. Wiki Wild, Wiki Wild Wild West, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. None of this. Six gun in this brother running this Buffalo Soldier. Look like I, it's like I told you. Any damsel that's in distress, be out that dress when she meets Jim West. Roughneck. So go check the law and abide. Watch your step reflex or get a hole in your side. Swallow your pride. Don't let your lip react. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. Increase your donation. I feel like the line, you don't want to see my hand where my hip be at, was pretty, <laughs> pretty impression. <laughs> Head over to patreon.com slash kpodcast. There's a lot going on over there. We're doing Big Fish this month. We did uh, Jurassic Park last month. Yeah, even while we were on break, we put out a couple episodes of like Young Frankenstein and Jurassic Park. So Head on over there. Micah, up that pledge. I hope I did enough of the, come on. He'll say you didn't. And right. I'll say, I just watched a white man do that. I wanted the whole song. <laughs> he didn't even get to the Cisco part. Yeah, 0.25 for Alvin Bernstein. 0.25. <laughs> you know what? That's, that seems appropriate. One-liners. Negative <laughs> 0.5. We're taking off a half point 
You start out at zero, and then you say, no more Mr. Knives guy. It's absolutely awful. And Mr. Knife guy came back. He saved your life. Right. You can't say, no more Mr. Knife guy, and then use him to survive. Yeah, minus 0.5. There are so many others. <laughs> I saw a look on your face like you wanted go to even go way. lower. Yeah, and I'm trying to like think of other ones, too, but that one is just so egregious. That's the most egregious one, for sure. Negative 0.5 for one-liners. Brings us to our final category. Impact on the industry. It gave us Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that. Which is that's enormous. <laughs> oh no. How did you do that? So I'm going to go with uh, a cool one. Yeah. Because that is huge. One of the most iconic films of the past 30 years. Oh my God. And it gave us the lead actor out of there. Let's not forget that it was also nominated for eight Razzies and won five, including Worst Picture, Worst Screenplay, Worst Director, and Worst Original Song. That's also true. <laughs> One for impact on the industry. I can't believe it got it, but here Special we are. Special thanks to Keanu. Total score for Wild Wild West is a five. That's strangely appropriate. So and I don't know insanely how. high. <laughs> we like it, but it's know. so nostalgic to go back and watch it again. It really is. Uh, if you haven't watched Wild Wild West since 1999, I highly suggest uh, maybe maybe imbibing some sort of mind-altering substance and enjoying it. Right. Just straight up moonshine to the veins. That's what they would have done then. That's right. And speaking of moonshine to the veins, Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week is the week I've been dreading since March. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. Because we hit our stretch goal when we raised money in March on our Patreon. And I offered up, sillily myself, I offered up Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So next week. So next week. Even the fucking trees walk in that movie. <laughs> it is going to be Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. I can't wait. It's going to be interesting for sure. If you thought the Silver Surfer was bad, you wait for Legolas to go down the stairs on that shield. Did you have to bring it up? I always will. Oh, well, next week it's my turn to bring it up. I can't wait. If you didn't listen to our Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring episode a few months back, uh, Sassy Brian made a appearance for a couple hours. I was pretty sassy. Yeah, that's true. I can't wait for next week. It's going to be fun. It always is. Even... Even kicking and screaming, we still have a good time. Absolutely. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Big Fish. And email us your questions and comments to kpodcastersgmail.com. And follow us on all the social media at kpodcasters, especially on Facebook, where we always post when we're recording and ask for your questions and comments. And we got a few this week. I know I've already read a couple. Yeah, you sprinkled a few in there. Mike Lanham asks... Klein wins the Oscar, then puts out this garbage. <laughs> Kevin Klein did win for A Fish Called Wanda, which is a great movie. Will puts out this garbage, then wins an Oscar for King Richard, you know. Right. Ten minutes after he slapped the shit at Chris Rock. Right. Two different actor career paths. Dave is Klein's best performance. No arguing that, he says. But what's Will's best performance? Ooh. Okay, I think, I ha I think immediately one comes to mind. What do you got? I haven't seen King Richard, though. Um, but uh, Pursuit of Happiness. I didn't like that one. Really? I loved it. It was fine. It was I, I found, bait. Is I the found Will's performance believable in it. That's saying something, then. If he's not just Will Smithing all over the screen. Yeah. So what's yours? 
if I had to pick one that really stands out to me, it's Independence Day. Oh, that is good. And just because I think it's kind of like the cool Will Smith where he's still being all Will Smith. Right. But the, I think the Goldblum really helps him along quite a bit there as well. Goldblum is always elevating. That other person to play with to make it work. The guy yeah. who's not trying to fight him right. for the punchline. Yeah, he needs a supporting actor who's not competing with him. And Goldblum is just interesting being Goldblum. And Goldblum is just there to elevate everybody else. It works, man. So that's mine. He's, he's a giver. Mike, thank you for the question. Jeff Miners wrote in and he said, could this work as a Final Fantasy plot or has it already been done? Follow-up question, what plot? That is the perfect follow-up <laughs> question there, Brian. <laughs> this absolutely could work as a Final Fantasy plot. Uh, in the sense that I have never played a Final Fantasy game, and I'll just assume that everything that happens in this movie, the giant spider oh, yeah. and the wheelchair man and the metal balls guy <laughs> and the guy with the big ear thing, I'm pretty sure that is directly ripped off yeah. of a Final Fantasy game. And Will Smith's one. scrotum. That's absolutely. Final Fantasy Seven, I believe that's in. <laughs> I think Seven's the only one I've actually played. Well, there you go. So Brian would know. So Jeff. There's your answer. Thank you so much for writing in. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much every single week for listening, for writing in. This is so much fun to do. Yeah. And I cannot wait until next week when we talk about Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Brian, do you have anything else? I have nothing else. I want to repeat. Next week, <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Same pod time? Same pod That water tower water's gonna taste nasty.